Here's today's transformational truth. Never sacrifice your family on the altar of ministry. Welcome to the Transformational Truth Podcast, where we're committed to eliminating the obstacles that take the joy out of life and leadership. Welcome to Transformational Truths. Today's interview is with Mr. Christopher Harris. Christopher has 20 plus years of ministry experience, 15 years in leadership, and six years in education. He previously served as the Chief of Staff and Director of Ministry Operations at the Historic Fellowship Church of Chicago, where Pastor Charles Jenkins is the senior pastor. And almost a decade ago, he founded Inspired Ideas Group, which is a partnership of trainers and consultants that seek to engage people in living inspired lives through training, consulting, and hands-on development. He currently serves as the executive pastor at Crossover Church in Tampa, Florida. This interview is absolutely rich and is going to bless your life. Let's go ahead and jump in. Christopher Harris, welcome to Transformational Truths. We're really honored to have you on today. Man, it's my privilege and my honor, Pastor. Um, you you are crisscrossing the country and impacting people, and this is another tool in your tool belt, and I appreciate you giving me access to be on with you. Well, listen, we're really honored, truly honored to have you on, your wisdom and your insight. Here's today's transformational truth. Never sacrifice your family on the altar of ministry. And mm. we have we have a wide range of, of audience. In that audience, we have leaders from every sector, but many of those leaders include ministry leaders. The principles we're gonna talk about today are gonna to be universal principles, but one of the things that I carry in my heart, one of the burdens that runs deep is to help ministry leaders, those leaders who are helping so many other people uh, find a place of restoring joy to their life and their leadership. And we're really talking about the importance of cultivating a healthy and thriving marriage. A great marriage always requires intentionality, but the truth is its importance is often lost in all of the demands of, of leading. And the lack of conversation and the need to prioritize marriage is not without its consequences. Christopher, I'm sure in all of your leading and all of your relationships, you like myself have discovered that there's a lot of high functioning leaders. There's, there's a lot of leaders who are making incredible impacts, who are, are answering the call of purpose and the call of God on their lives. And publicly, it looks like everything's great, but privately they're struggling. They're struggling in their marriages. They're struggling in their families. And and this conversation around marriage and leadership is, is often missing. Um, Christopher, have you discovered this yourself? And what, what are some of your observations around the struggle to cultivate a healthy and thriving marriage in the context of leading in ministry? Yeah. So th thank you for the question. Thank you for the conversation. Um, let me first, before I jump into this, so that I don't get too far ahead of myself, and first of all, just let me acknowledge my wife, right? She's not on here with us, but let me acknowledge her. Uh, we've been uh, together now uh, two decades. We have four children. Um, at the time of this recording, they are 18, 13, 12, and three. That, that, that is not a misspeaking. 
um, there, there's a 10 year gap between our youngest son and then our baby girl. Uh, and so we call her our surprise blessing. But I, I say all that to say that um, I would not be where I am today and would not be able to have any credibility with this conversation at all um, if it were not for my wife. And so I want to honor her, even though she's not uh, physically on here with us today. Um, quite candidly, uh, and my wife works outside of the home. Um, she's a, an administrator for our local school system, has an earned doctorate. So she's not uh, somebody just sitting at home twiddling her fingers, right? She's she's making it happen uh, while uh, all both of us and, and my whole family really are juggling multi multiple things. And so um, the first 18 years of our own marriage, and I'm, 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 I want to answer your question, but I want to give context to- Absolutely. To how, how Take I your time, it. please. Um, the first 18 months of our marriage, uh, like I said, we've been together two decades now, and the first 18 months was hell on earth. Hmm. It was horrible um, for a lot of different reasons. Um, and one of those reasons, I believe, is that we walked in with what we thought was a blueprint, but really what we had were sketches. Hmm. Um, and the, the truth of the matter is, you know, my wife and I both were believers at the time. Um, you would think that when you look at our, when you looked at our profile, everything that we should have had to have a healthy start, we were checking off all the boxes. We had the premarital counseling, uh, premarital coaching. We had the mentors. Um, we both were believers. We understood the word. We knew the word. We prayed together. We fasted together. Um, you know, we, we, we followed all the boxes, right? So where was the rub? The, the rub was in the integration of what we knew, hmm. right? It was not just the integration of what we knew, but it was also, um, the actual, um, pruning of our character, right? Because I, I tell people that marriage is both on the job training and it is character development school. <laughs> and I believe that God uses marriage to help fine tune who we are as people. And if we're not willing to get under that scalpel, uh, then the marriage becomes a, a hard reality. And I'm saying all of this not to offer any sense of condemnation or guilt or shame to anybody right. that's listening to this, but that's just the reality that marriage is hard work. It's real work, but it works if you work it. Right. And um, I found as a husband, uh, Pastor, that that I really at first I didn't have a model. Right. I had examples, but I didn't have a model. Mm -hmm. um, and because I carried some level of entitlement or assumption and pride that I should know what I'm doing here and that I should be able to handle this. I didn't reach out to people the right way. Um, only when, when it almost was like at, you know, epidemic level, so to speak. Right. And even now after a pandemic, using the word epidemic, epidemic has a whole new context to it. That's right. right? Um, but, but, uh, all of that to say, man, that there, there's a different template that I think we have to use in order for marriage to work. And particularly to your question, I think a part of that template has to be that we have to be just as committed to our marriages as we are to our corporate jobs, as we are to ministry, as we are to the things that we chased after. And what do I mean by that? Man, we had we had vision. We have we have vision, right, for pursuing education. We have have vision for what we want to accomplish in our corporate spaces and in our ministries. Right. And I believe that there's a lot of ministries that don't have vision. Like, what is the vision for your marriage? What did God, what is God doing when he put the two of you all together? Right. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I think a lot of marriages lack structure. Um, so in our home, with with a, like I said, I've got you know multiple things that I'm juggling. My wife has multiple things that she's juggling. All of our kids, for the exception of the baby girl at this point, um, are involved in multiple, you know, school activities, after school activities, activities, ministry responsibilities. They got friends. They hang out with their friends. They got parties. You know, all those things. How do we make that work? Well, there's structure that's required. Right. Everybody has access to the family calendar. If it's important, it's got to get scheduled. We have family meetings. We have family Bible studies. Right. Um, And this is not to suggest in any way that we're perfect, but we figured out ways that if we want the results of this to work, it's got to work. One of the hardest things, Pastor Travis, that uh, became a revelation for me when my oldest daughter was five was I was listening to a pastor talking about parenting. And it was a lecture. It wasn't even a sermon. It was literally just a lecture when Mm. he was just sort of talking in an academic, uh, intellectual kind of way. But I think God was really speaking. I know God was really speaking through him. And in the middle of that, I felt like the Holy Spirit sort of shared with me this, this idea that until your children accept Christ into their life on their own volition, you are raising sinners. So your mm. first mission field is your children and is your home. So when you're actually sharing the gospel and sharing the truth of the word of God with them, mm. they need to become convinced of it because they've seen you live what you're telling them. If you're not living what you're telling them, it becomes harder for them to be convinced that what you're telling them is actually true. And I believe that historically, when you look at over the last uh, 40, 50 years uh, in the church world, the big yeah. city world, yeah. we were building ministries yeah. at the expense of losing our families, right? When I grew up, Pastor Travis, and this may not be everybody's story, but this is mine, uh, when I grew up in ch- in church, man, there was probably only one day out of the week that we were not in church. Right. Probably one, right? Probably right. one. And and if pastor was leading a revival, then that night is gone. That's right. <laughs> because everybody went with pastor to support him, right? Um, and so when you think about that, if I'm always in church, if I'm always serving at church, if the services are two hours, three hours, and then we're hanging out for another hour in the parking lot afterwards, and right. you know, all the things that go along with that, when are we actually home, not just home enjoying our home, but home enjoying one another and home working on our family and working on our marriages? That's so good. And, and so um, I just think we've got to pivot, man. I really think we've got to rethink this. And uh, I haven't, I'm not saying I've got it figured out. I'm still, you know, I still have to work at it. I still, you know, sometimes we still have those awkward conversations with your kids. They're teenagers, right? And you're trying to figure certain things out. You have the discipline issues that you're trying to figure out. And, you know, even with, with my wife and I, uh, having kids that are in those those three those those two different three different age spans, we have to wear a different hat for each child, right? right? Because because of how we, you know, for our oldest, um, yes, we are still. Uh, her guardian and her providers, but in some ways, with some things, we're we're not the disciplinarian; we're the coach, right? You got to right. make the decision on your own, uh, and so just just navigating all of that, um, all while um, as husbands and wives, not losing sight of each other, uh, making sure that we intentionally schedule that time to hang out with each other and connect on a regular basis. Uh, my wife is is very very uh, uh, she she loves like lifetime and all the, uh, all the accoutrements that go with that. Right. So right. the, 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 the romantic things, the, the, the touchy feely things, all of that. And, and so even 
with that, right? Trying to be fully present for that as a husband and making sure that you're paying attention to those things. And mm. then when she's talking about work and she's, you know, basically, um, you know, decompressing from that and she's got things she want to share, I can't just tell her, well, I just talked to a member who's thinking about suicide, right? I got to know how to be able to navigate that to whom much is given, much required. And so um, I got to be able to have my backbone straight enough to be able to handle the assignment that God has given me first as a husband and then um, mm. as a father. So I'll stop there. Um, mm. Hopefully I answered your question uh, in an efficient way. No, uh, man, we're off to a great start. Uh, Christopher, you touched on something I'd like to lean into just for a second. You talked about the ability as a husband to be fully present for your wife. And I think that's probably one of the most relevant conversations we can have around cultivating a healthy and thriving marriage in leadership because ministry is unique. There are other um, callings or careers uh, that are demanding, but ministry is very unique in, in the sense that, to your point, I think sometimes in ministry leadership, we can always say, Yes, but what we're doing is for the kingdom. And, you know, the kingdom of God never stops. I, I one time had a woman who knocked on my door. This was back when I was uh, ministering in Michigan. We lived in what's called a parsonage, which is basically a house owned by the church. And the house was literally uh, on the same property of the church. And now to everyone listening, if you have that scenario, my, my, my advice to you is to get out of it as quickly as possible. Absolutely. Uh, to establish some healthy boundaries for the sake of your family. Because this is often, this is where I learned this principle. God did not ask you to sacrifice your family on the altar of ministry. But a woman knocked on my door, Christopher. It was my day off. It was my Sabbath time. And she knocked on the door of the house and she said, uh, she said, uh, Pastor, God told me to come and see you. I know it's your day off, but God told me that he doesn't take a day off. So why should you get a day off? And I looked at her as kindly as I could. And I said, quite frankly, ma'am, God did not say that to you because God himself said he took a day off and I'm going to take a day off so you can schedule an appointment through the office. But there is this tendency especially if we're passionate about what we're doing. We love what we do. We get to serve people. We get to help people. We get to lead people, help them develop their potential, help them grow in Christ, all of these great things. There's this tendency. It's hard to turn it off. And, and, and today it's even harder, Christopher, than when you and I were growing up because, you know, we have access to the world and vice versa via social media, via, you know, our cellular devices. How important is it for us to learn how to be fully present because that is hard to do. We, we can leave the office and our minds are still at the office. We can, we can be sitting at the couch or sitting on the couch with our wives, but we're scrolling through social media trying to keep up with everybody that we're leading and connecting to. Talk to us for a minute about the importance of cult cultivating that discipline of being fully present with our spouse. Yeah, you know, I think, I think rhythm uh, is important. Um, because when you when you really begin to understand each other's rhythms, um, you understand how you need to be fully present, right? So um, it's probably unfair uh, for my wife to um, ask for me to sit down with her and go to the beach for two hours when it's around Easter time, right? Because she mm -hmm. knows that the demand of that season, the demand right. of the rhythm, for churches and Easter is a heavy demand. Absolutely. Right? Yes. So she, so she's she's selfless enough to recognize that. Right. Uh, it'd be unrealistic for me to ask her to go uh, and spend a weekend with me uh, when they're getting ready to open schools, right? <laughs> at the beginning of the right. school. 
Right. It's not, it's not the, the wise time. And so we, 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 we look at our calendar, we figure out what our rhythms are. We figure out what our, what our approaches are, what's the best way to look at our, our schedules, even on a day-to-day basis. Right. Um, my wife knows that there are certain days of the week that I'm going to set aside, you know, to schedule, uh, I mean, to, uh, to study or to, to sermon prep or to Bible study prep or read. Uh, and, and she's, she's aware of that. I know, mm. uh, that there's a certain time of the day that she's going to reach out to me and really for about 20, 30, 45 minutes, she's, she's going to want my undivided attention. And candidly, uh, pastor Travis, I've, I've developed the, the ability to be a good listener, right? Mm. Because as husbands, uh, our wives are not always interested in us fixing it. They're not always interested in us providing a solution to what they're saying. They want, they want us to practice the ministry of presence, right? Like be present while I'm talking so that you can connect these dots. Because here's the other truth, right? If we want to talk brass tacks, uh, and this is a little bit of a generalization. So ladies, don't come for me when I say this, right? <laughs> but, but generally speaking, um, women... Uh, don't have, um, they don't have, uh, what's the word I want to use? They don't, they don't have start and stops in their stories. It's a continuation, <laughs> right? Right. So what my wife is going to say to me this afternoon is connected to something she said last Thursday or last Tuesday. And I need to be able <laughs> to remember and recall what that looks like. One of my mentors said to me, and again, this is a little bit of a generalization, but what my, what one of my mentors said to me, he said, you know, men generally are communicating to report the facts, right? Mm -hmm. Women Mm -hmm. are communicating to build rapport. And so, Mm. you know, when you think about that, right, uh, women will pull, you you put a woman in a warehouse and the warehouse is full of filing cabinets and a woman is going to go to filing cabinet number two and pull out file 13,000. She's going to look at some data on there. She's going to go to filing cabinet 1200. She's going to pull file number two from that. She's going to go to filing cabinet 72. She's going to pull, you know, file number 13 from that. And then she's going to put all of those files together and then come up with a story and discernment and discretion and all of that. And you got to be able to make sense of that, right? As a husband, fully present enough to connect the dots. So like if my wife calls me right now and she says, can you believe that such and such said what they said? And I can't believe that they still are carrying that. I'm like, well, who are you talking about? And then she tells me a name immediately, pastor. I got to be able to remember that three weeks ago, that same person did something else. And I got to be able to connect the dots because otherwise she's going to be like, you're not keeping up. (laughs) (laughs) Right now. Now, and that's I'm I'm being a little bit facetious, but I'm being very truthful, right? That we got to practice the ministry of presence and be able to to know our 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 our, our partners, our 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 spouse's personality, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because on the flip side of that, there may be some wives listening to this whose husbands are that way, right? right. Um, and you got to be able to listen intentively. Here's the other thing that I want to say to your specific question um, about listening and learning. Um, and, and, you know, I borrowed this, well, two other things I'll say. The first thing is I, I borrowed this from Andy Stanley. Andy said, Pastor Andy Stanley said uh, that it's important for us to um, to listen, not to respond, but listen to learn. Hmm. Right. That's listen, excellent. not to respond, but listen to learn. So what, what do I need to learn from what my spouse is saying? And what are they not saying that I need to pay attention to? Oh, that's right. Great. 
Mm-hmm. What are they not saying? What, what? Give me, let me, let me hear the spirit and the intonation in their voice to hear what they're not saying. That's the, thing, the, the last thing that I'll say to your specific question is this, and that is, um, we should not and uh, can't compartmentalize our discipleship. Hmm. We should compartmentalize our demands, right? Mm-hmm. So, so you you have a demand. Uh, as a pastor, you have demands uh, to take care of people's mental health, spiritual health, uh, you know, building issues, fundraising issues, financial issues, budget issues. You know, if you got, you know, vehicles for your church, you got that issues, you got systems issues to deal with, you got staffing issues to deal with, you got, you know, everything that you can think of when you talk about running a company, that's the responsibilities and demands that a pastor has. We have to know when it's time to simply turn off the spigot. Because mm-hmm. I, I I have to pray about those things, but I don't need to die for those things. Jesus already did that. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So good. So good. Yeah. 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 Uh, you're pulling out some excellent, excellent points and some great wisdom, Christopher. I think uh, I think one of the I, I teach that there are four elements of a healthy, thriving marriage. One of them is communication, but it's not just communicating. It's understanding how each one communicates. I think generally um, one of the most helpful illustrations that I've used is in a marriage, uh, the husband usually communicates the headline and the wife usually communicates the fine print like a newspaper. Oh, yeah. That's good. It's like a newspaper. You know, the husband comes home at the end of the day and she says, how was your day? And he gives her the headline. Good. Yep. And she says, well, like, why was it good? She's looking for the fine print under the headline. She wants to know the details. Who did you talk to? Did you have meetings? Who did you have meetings with? What, what was, how did the meeting go? What was it about? Did you go to lunch? What did you have for lunch? You know, and vice versa. When he comes home and says, well, how was your day? He's looking for a headline. Yeah. And she's often giving the fine print. But I think, don't you think there's some biblical precedent for this? I mean, in the beginning, uh, there was Adam. And out of Adam, God pulled a rib, a detail, and created That's Eve. good. That's good. And, man. and so I think there is built into us from creation, there is this method of communication. To your point, sometimes, sometimes the husband is, is a detail oriented person. But in general, I think. It's often the headline and then the detail. I'm curious, Christopher. Um, I'm going to list off for you what I think. That these are these are this is my list of four things that I think are important for a healthy, thriving marriage. And I'm going to ask you which one of these maybe you see right now in this season in culture that that we might need to give more attention to than another. So here's my four. Number one is honor. I, I just okay. truly believe that honor um, honor is the oxygen of a relationship. Number two is communication. Uh, Number three is uh, physical intimacy, sexual intimacy. And number four is what I call active healing, just simply being engaged in healing from our own past pain, insecurities, inferiorities, et cetera. Of of those four things, honor, communication, intimacy, uh, healing, what do you see that might be missing right now in this season that we might need to sit up and pay attention to? All four of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, let me just, since you said all four, let me just interject I, what I have observed. My wife and I have observed this. We spend a lot of time talking to couples um, of all different walks of life, all different ages. And something is, is, is increasingly concerning for us. And that is, and it's something I also quite frankly believe that we're seeing in a lot of ministry marriages that nobody's talking about. They don't know how to have the, the conversation. 
that is sexless marriages. We're seeing a lack of intimacy in marriages. I, I, we've never seen so much of it. And let me be very clear for our listeners. I'm not just talking about men complaining. My wife and I have had an abundance of married women say, my husband is not interested sexually anymore. I don't know what's going on. I can't understand this. So we're, we're, we're getting this coming from both sides. Both the husband and the wife are saying, we don't understand it. We're in this thing, this, this, this. I, mean, I remember when I was younger, somebody said to me, one of the greatest temptations of the enemy will be to get you to start having sex before you're married and to get you to stop having it after you're married. Wow. Yeah. And this is a reality that I think we're facing now. Pastors and leaders don't know how to have this conversation. You know, nobody wants to have it. It feels really personal. It almost feels taboo. I don't think when we were coming up in the church, nobody was talking about it. Um, what would you say to that? What would you speak to that? Have you seen this? Do you, do you have any insight or wisdom you could shed some light on this? You know, it's interesting that you say that uh, because I think that uh, a couple of things. Number one, um, I think that the enemy has perverted this conversation around sex. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. He's perverted it. No uh, question. We, we either, we either have made a God out of it, lowercase G, right. Where we're idolizing yep. it and that creates undue stress and strain. Um, we see it as gross, like, no, I don't even want to talk about it. I don't want to lean into that. I don't want to grow in that. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, and there's there's a there's a certain amount of shame, right, that comes with um, all of the questions that come with that. Either you're, you know, I'm in the, you know, a person says I'm in the bondage and whatever else, but I'm a Christian, right? Right. And right. Like, and where do I go to get those questions answered? Or a person who says I'm not interested in that, and I don't, you know, I mean, I've even had conversations, Pastor Travis, um, as awkward as it is, you know, with couples who. Uh, it's just simply not an enjoyable experience for them. And what does that look mm -hmm. like and the shame that surrounds that, right? right. So I think oftentimes um, from the conversations that I've been a part of, that, that, that the, the, the rhythm of sex in the marriage and all the nuances that go along with that are often uh, not the root of the problem. Mm -hmm. It's 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 oftentimes we we are prioritizing the sex issue because we're not dealing with this other thing over there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you if you think about it, we're just now getting to a generation where this is even on the table. Right. That's right. Um, 40 years ago, 50 years ago, you didn't hear people having conversations about, you know, these these realities. No, that's right. um, my, my grandfather used to always tell um, my cousins and I and other people that he would interact with, if you see any man that was great in history, if he failed from his greatness, there was always two things that caused him to fall. It was either money or mm, sex. That's right. Right. And when you think about that, um, in both areas, we're just now getting to a place where we're talking about that. We're just now right. getting to a place of dealing with that. Right. Um, you know, if if we're candid. Right. Um, I don't think this is every pastor. I don't think this is every church, but I think there's enough of a stigma in our culture today around, you know, married pastors and infidelity and things of that nature. Why is that? We've got to unpack why that is, right? Mm -hmm. Because I, I don't think it's just uh, that they were attracted to another person. I think that there were some deeper needs that are there, some deeper yeah. realities that are there. Um, and, and, you know, so, so it's, 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 it's taboo, but it doesn't have to be taboo. And we've got to figure out ways to lean into that. I think even the conversation around, 
you know, sexuality in marriage um, has to become something that that we begin to unpack and that we yeah. we deal with, uh, because in in some cultures, uh, quite candidly, uh, marriage has been a front and a cover mm. um, for who what they what the real desires are and what the real um, you know uh, uh, you know sexual preferences are and things of that nature. And I know that these are delicate, hard conversations and hard issues. Uh, but I just spoke at a conference. Uh, here recently, and I said to them that one of the things that I think the church has got to do as a result of this pandemic is that we've got to be very, com- we got to become very comfortable to run towards the hard conversations of culture. Absolutely, and we we don't we don't run towards them um, with immediate answers. We run to them with questions, right? Mm-hmm. We don't run towards them with rules. We run towards them with the intent to build relationship. That's and right. I think when we do it that way, uh, then we can actually, we can you know we can we can you know, move to a place where we can, where we can authentically, um, you know, a, a deal with these hard issues and these hard realities. Um, you, you talked about honor, you talked about communication, physical intimacy, uh, and active healing. And I think all, all four of those um, are heart issues. Yeah, they are, they are character issues. Um, and, and these are things, quite candidly, I believe that have to be practiced and developed. It doesn't come mm. automatically, right? Absolutely. Um, I, often, I often tell our church, Pastor Travis, that anything that God asks of us requires practice and development. It's mm. not going to come uh, just because you think about it. It's not going to come because you're it's osmosis. You're around other people that are doing. It has to be in your heart. You have to want it and you have to develop it, right? Mm. Um, and so uh, I have to learn how to develop the seed of honor build the seat of honor in my life and then display it. Right. I have to intentionally honor. And I think part of the challenge is we, we don't know how, we don't know what to do with honor. Even when we receive it, we don't know what to do with it. We are never, God did not wire us to take and receive honor and hold it. He meant for us to receive it and then pass it on. If that pass it on means to another person, sometimes it's meant to go back to him, right? But but it's never meant to stay in our bosom because the moment that it becomes in our bosom, it's yeast and it it, it can infect Mm. our lives in an unhealthy way. So a thing that God created, which is honor, can become a thing that actually destroys us and corrodes us from the inside out. Um, Even as it relates to marriage, right? When you talk about honor in marriage, think about this, this statement, Pastor Travis. The statement is happy wife, happy life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's that's not godly. No, it's not. Because what it what it does is it dishonors that's right. the fact that the wife is in a relationship with another person. That's right. So how, so how about we say, right, happy house, happy life? That's excellent. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, ha- happy, happy house. Uh, blessings from God, right? Absolutely. Because what it does, it it causes us to honor one another. It causes mm-hmm. us to honor, you know, who this. Which when we talk about this whole idea of honor in marriage, man, I gotta be, I gotta get a PhD in my spouse, right? Mm. I gotta I gotta enroll in the school of life, and I gotta study them enough to know who they are, what they're like, what God has called them to do, what God has right. not called them. To because I can't force my spouse to live up to my expectations. I got to I got to I got to work with them to help them reach the expectations that God has mm. set for them. Right. I think mm. that's critically important. You talk about communication. Um, uh, John Maxwell um, has a book out that's called uh, Everybody Communicates, Few People Connect. Right. Right. 
So are we actually connecting with what we're giving out? I think that's critically, critically important. Um, so I'll stop there because we've talked about a few other things. No, that's excellent. You know, my wife, Tina, and I, and we've been married uh, for 21 years, and we've had our shares of ups and downs. Um, and um, But we've we've grown through it all, so I can resonate with what you're saying. So I don't think the question is about perfection surrounding our journey in marriage. Um, we, Tina and I are who we are today because we've had to engage this process of our own healing and development and growth and learning one another. Um, but it, it is a process to your point. And I think there is this temptation to compare our real relationships, our real marriages with somebody else's Instagram relationship and Instagram marriage. Yes, yes. Everyone's looking at everyone else's highlight reel and they're beating themselves up and, you know, they're wondering what's wrong with them. But the truth of the matter is that I've discovered, Christopher, in, in some of the most, you know, what we would consider the most successful relationships is that they have their own brokenness and they've had to work through their own brokenness. They, they, nobody has it all figured out. Um, have you discovered that to be the case as well? Absolutely, man. The, the, the thief of comparison is very real today. Right. Um, a, a few months back at our church, actually, during the middle of the pandemic, we did a series called Family Matters that was actually based off of this little bit retro. Right. Based off of the old TV show. And um, each week, you know, we featured a family from our church, one of our pastoral staff and, you know, their members of the church. And one week was was a focus on our family. And, and I actually talked about the benefits of a boring family. Right. Because. Mm -hmm. We, we see so much uh, people, you know, they're taking pictures with their spouse on, you know, on an island and, you know, right. all those kinds of things. <laughs> and you got husbands and wives that are literally going broke because they're trying to do what they see done on social media. That's when right. In fact, you could actually, you know, you can get just as much benefit, if not more, by not trying to buy flights and not trying to spend for the hotel with the big suite and all those kinds of things. And just y'all do a staycation. If you got a nice that's house, right. do a staycation. That's or, right. you know, find the hotel that's in your town or in your area that you can drive to. Right. I, I think we I really think that we have to teach people how to how to find their identity, even as a couple with mm. who they are without trying to you know, be something that somebody else is. Now, here's the deal, Pastor. You you take the principle, but you don't try to duplicate the behavior. Right. Good. The That's principle, right. the principle is you need a date night. You know, That's you right. need to have a week with your spouse. Right? right. But how we do that, let's customize that. Uh, I, I'll use I'll be very transparent. I'll use a very real example here. Uh, some people will probably think this is really, really crazy, but it, it was a lot for us. Right. So, you know, I, I was trying to be Pastor Travis, a really good pastor husband. Right. Good spiritual mm -hmm. leader of my home. And we're supposed to pray every morning before we leave the house. And man, I tried, we tried to do that uh, for about almost a month. And God honest truth, man, we were actually creating more arguments for <laughs> prayer than we actually spent time praying. Right. And I'm like, man, something's got to, something's got to give here because we shouldn't be arguing over prayer. Right. And, and, and watch how simple this is. My, we got it. I was leaving the house one morning. Got, you know, my wife has one set of kids. She's dropping them off. I got another set of kids. I'm dropping them off and that thing. And my wife calls me and we're just talking in the car. We're talking in the car. It happens the second day. We're talking in the car. We're talking in the car. Hmm. And it dawned on me. Why am I trying to force everybody to stop at home and pray when we can just pray after we get in the car? Hmm. Right? Yeah. 
you you don't try to you don't try to mimic the behavior. You take the principle, mm. and the principle is. You know, I want to teach my kids the importance of prayer. I want to cover my wife in prayer. I want us to do this as a family. It don't mean that we got to be on our knees for 45 minutes in the house speaking in tongues or crying out to right. God for 45 minutes. Right. It, 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 it's a touch point that, that a five minute or 10 minute prayer in the car is just as powerful, right, as a mm -hmm. 30 minute prayer that we're standing around in a circle. Because if wow. prayer works, it works. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. So, wow. so when you take that one idea and you expand it throughout, right, uh, meals together or, you know, husband and wife having a touch point together, you know, like I, I don't I don't know a lot of couples who if they're if they're actually if they have jobs and they have kids and they have responsibilities who literally sit down together every night. Mm -hmm. Right. And right. and and have have four hours of, of good conversation. Right. I don't know that our bodies can handle that because some nights you're sleepy. You're going to fall right. asleep on the couch. Right? So anyways, I just think it's important for us to be realistic, to be honest about our rhythms, who we are, how we're wired. You mm. know, one spouse likes to get up earlier in the morning than the other. Another spouse likes to stay up later at night. One spouse likes to sleep with the TV on. The other one likes to have it pitch black, dark with no, no sound. You know, right. one spouse you know, eats meat. The other one is vegan or vegan. You know, I mean, you got all of these different realities. Right. And again, borrowing points from other people in marriage, there are some issues that are not meant to be solved. They're meant to be managed. Mm -hmm. Some tensions are not meant to be solved. They're simply meant to be managed. And it is it is your ability to be fully present to manage those tensions. My wife is never, ever going to stop loving lifetime. I don't right. like it. But how do I manage that tension? Because <laughs> at some point, I'm still going to have to sit down with her at some point and watch it. At some point, she's going to have to not watch it in order to spend time with me. Right. So we got to find that balance. And, and, and the list goes on and on there with those kinds of examples. No, that's that's incredible. Some tensions are not meant to be solved. They're meant to meant to be managed. That is gold in and of itself. This has been a rich interview, I believe, is going to help eliminate the obstacles that keep us from enjoying our journey of life and leading. Uh, Christopher Harris, where can people find you? So I'm uh, I'm on uh, so they can go to my website christopherjharris.com christopherjharris.com and that's common spelling on all of that. As a matter of fact, my wife and I have an initiative uh, that we have that's called Full Time Marriage Teaching mm -hmm. Ministry. Uh, full Time Marriage Teaching Ministry because marriage is full time, um, and so would love to you know support couples and help in any way with that. We, we coach couples and you know that kind of thing to help them get to where they need to be in the walk in wisdom. Uh, I'm on all social media platforms. Uh, it's the same on all. And so it's literally at CJ Harris, O-N-E, CJ Harris, O-N-E, or CJ Harris one um, is what that's what that spells. Um, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Pinterest, Snapchat, uh, you know, Tumblr, uh, whatever platform that exists uh, that's currently, you know, trending or, or very active uh, clubhouse. Even uh, it's the same on all of those platforms, CJ Harris, O-N-E. And uh, I'd love to connect with you. Uh, fantastic. And if you'd like to connect with Christopher Harris, please check out the links that we've included for you in the show notes. And if Transformational Truths is helpful to you, please do me a favor. Take a moment, go to Apple iTunes to rate the show and write us a quick review. I want to help you restore the joy to your life and leadership. Christopher, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us today. It's been rich. Yep, absolutely. I appreciate it. I'm honored to be with you today. Uh, I believe that this is going to be a blessing to others. You have been a blessing to so many uh, in so many, many ways. And so I pray a thousandfold return, God, on, on what uh, you've sown uh, into people's lives. 
Amen. Well, thank you.